Deeper Dive podcast, Catechism of the Catholic Church, in one year. Today is day 109, and we begin with number 811. This is the sole Church of Christ, which in the creed we profess to be one, holy, Catholic, and apostolic. These four characteristics, inseparably linked with each other, indicate essential features of the Church and her mission. The Church does not possess them of herself. It is Christ who, through the Holy Spirit, makes this one holy, Catholic, and apostolic. And it is He who calls her to realize each of these qualities. Only faith can recognize that the Church possesses three properties from her divine source. But their historical manifestations are signs that also speak clearly to human reason. As the First Vatican Council noted, the Church herself, with her marvelous propagation, eminent holiness, and inexhaustible fruitfulness in everything good, her Catholic unity and invincible stability, is a great and perpetual motive of credibility and irrefutable witness of her divine mission. The Church is one because of her source. The highest exemplar and source of this mystery is the unity in the Trinity of Persons, of one the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The church is one because of her founder, for the word were made flesh, the Prince of Peace, reconciled all men to God by the cross, restoring the unity of all in one people and one body. The church is one because of her soul. It is the Holy Spirit dwelling in those who believe and pervading and ruling over the entire church who brings about that wonderful communion of the faithful and joins them together so intimately in Christ that he is the principle of the church's unity. Unity is of the essence of the church. What an astonishing mystery. There is one Father of the universe, one Logos of the universe, and also one Holy Spirit. Everywhere, one and the same, there is also one virgin become mother, and I should like to call her church. From the beginning, this one church has been marked by a great diversity, which comes from both the variety of God's gifts and the diversity of those who receive them. Within the unity of the people of God, a multiplicity of peoples and cultures is gathered together. Among the church's members, there are different gifts, offices, conditions, and ways of life. Holding a rightful place in the communion of the church, there are also particular churches that retain their own traditions. The great richness of such diversity is not opposed to the church's unity, yet sin and the burden of its consequences constantly threaten the gift of unity. And so the apostle has to exhort Christians to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. What are these bonds of unity? Above all, charity binds everything together in perfect harmony. But the unity of the pilgrim church is also assured by visible bonds of communion. Profession of one faith received from the apostles, common celebration of divine worship, especially of the sacraments, apostolic succession through the sacrament of holy orders, maintaining the fraternal concord of God's family. The sole church of Christ is that which our Savior, after his resurrection, entrusted to Peter's pastoral care, commissioning him and other apostles to extend and rule it. This church, constituted and organized as a society in the present world, subsists in the Catholic Church, which is governed by the successor of Peter and by the bishops in communion with him. The Second Vatican Council's decree on ecumenism explains, For it is through Christ's Catholic Church alone, which is the universal help toward salvation, that the fullness of the means of salvation can be obtained. It was to the apostolic college alone, 
of which Peter is the head, that we believe that our Lord entrusted all the blessings of the new covenant in order to establish on earth the one body of Christ into which all those should be fully incorporated who belong in any way to the people of God. Father Larry. Hey, thanks, Bill. So here in the Creed, we go into what's traditionally called the four marks of the church, and we believe that the church, as it said, is one, holy, Catholic, and apostolic. And this particular section, we start off with, what does it mean that the church is one? And, uh, you know, over 2,000 years ago, uh, Jesus, God became man, as we've discussed, you know, obviously in previous uh, podcasts, and um, and then he, he left us his church. And I emphasize the word his church, because in Matthew sixteen eighteen he says to Peter, and I tell you, uh, he says, you are Simon, and upon you, Peter, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Notice Jesus says, my church, not your church, but this one church that Jesus made. Um, you know, today, this is a very important thing about church is Jesus made one church. Why? Because God is one, you know, the three persons in one tree is one God, and, and God, one God made one church. And right now, we have, I think it's like over 56,000 different denominations out there claiming to be a true church. But once again, that the church proclaims that the church the one holy Catholic apostolic church is the one church that Jesus started. Um, you know, I, I, way back in my first parish, someone gave me a t-shirt and as I probably seen it, one of these Catholic to the max type you know, websites. And uh, in the front of the church, it said, who made, who started your church? And then in the back, it had just a whole like a list of denominations. And I'll read some of the things that was on this particular t-shirt. Uh, one is, if you're a Lutheran, your your religion was founded by Martin Luther, an ex-monk of the Catholic Church in the year 1517. He says, if you belong to the Church of England, your religion was founded by King Henry VIII in 1534 because the Pope would not grant him a divorce with the right to remarry. And then he goes, if you're a Baptist, you owe the tenets to your faith to John Smith, who launched it in Amsterdam in 1605. But then it says, if you're Catholic... You know your religion was founded in the year 33 by Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and is still the same church. And that's what the catechism means when it says the church is one because of her source. That the church is, is one because her founder, um, the Word became flesh, the Prince of Peace, reconciled all men to God by the cross, uh, started his church, the Church of Christ, right? And uh, so... What are some of the what are the things that you know identify a true church? Well, you know one of the things it says here in the Catechism is profession of one faith, and so you know one of the things we profess is that we as Roman Catholics, and we say Roman Catholic because we have to distinguish because there's so many different types of you know so many different types of Christianity that we we have essentially the same faith that started by Jesus Christ passed to his apostles. Okay. Uh, number two is that uh, when you go to church, it, essentially it should be the same Mass anywhere you go. So whether you go to Mass in Alexandria, Virginia, San Francisco, Moscow, Mexico City, it should be the same reading, structure, prayers, uh, maybe a different language, um, and with a priest or a bishop united to the Holy Father, the Pope, right? So hopefully there is, you know, if you go to church to church, you have 
sort of the same message, you know, same way of worship. Uh, we, we as Catholics, we are one because we worship one way, you know, by the Mass and the sacraments, right? And thirdly, what gives us unity is apostolic succession to the sacrament holy orders. Now, uh, how do you know a church is a real church? Well, essentially what they're saying here is that in order for a church to be a true church, there has to be a valid Eucharist, okay? So when you go to a church, what's happening there on the altar is that the bread and wine, by the words of the priest, is changed into Jesus Christ, literally. Now, in order for that to happen, there has to be a valid priest. Now, in order for there to be a valid priest, there's got to be, uh, you know, a bishop that made him a priest. In order for a bishop to be valid, he has to have this unbroken succession all the way back to the first 12 apostles. So, once again, we see this unity goes all the way back to Jesus Christ and the first 12 apostles. So, in the next section, what we're going to see here is there are some wounds to unity, and we're going to explain uh, essentially why the church has been sort of like we're in so fragmented today by different Christian denominations, and then the church will teach us what are the ways of reunited into one church once again. <laughs> 